I am really, really, really excited about what God is wanting to do in this church, in each one of us, in our families, in each one of us individually, in this year, 2024. And it is, it is going to be extremely important for us this year to say, okay, God, if this is what you're speaking, then I'm going to start stepping into these things. Because I, I, one of the things, I mean, like, it, I love that, you know, this is our first Sunday in January that, that we are meeting, and it's snowing. And, you know, and, and the snow is so often, I mean, like, right now, this field out here looks really pretty, right? With all that snow on it, it looks really nice. Last week, when there was no snow on it, that field looked really ugly, right? I mean, and so it's a, it's, it's a really nice thing with that snow comes. I love it, especially at that first of the year, because it just kind of reminds me of, whoo, everything is brand new. It's a blank canvas. It's a new opportunity to step into the things that God is asking each of us to do. Now, we might be at that point where we're kind of going, okay, I've, I've said that every year for the last 10 years. And I do it well for a little while. That's all right. Let this year be the year where God really captures your heart and things begin to really change and you're able to set yourself and your family on a firm foundation to be able to step into and to become who he has called you to become. Amen? So this morning, as, as I've been praying over these last, well, few months especially, just kind of going, God, what are you saying to us for the year 2024? Where is it that you're wanting to lead us as a church? Where are you wanting to lead me? I really feel like God was saying that this is a year of growth. Now, depending on your own personal, just personality, when you hear growth, you automatically think of something. My waistline has grown in the last few years. My muscle tone has not grown as quickly as I would have liked it to. Probably because I didn't ever do much about it. But anyway, but it's a... But, but, you know, but, but there's, you know, sometimes we think of growth like, oh, man, the church is going to grow and it's going to be huge. Well, I mean, that is, can be part of growth. But as I began to ask God to say, okay, God, immediately my mind went to, ooh, growth. And then I was like, God, what is it that you're actually saying about growth? And I really felt like God said that this is a year where he wants us to grow stronger and deeper in him. So this growth, so often we think of growth as the outward expression and look how big this is or look at this or look at that. I mean, I mean when, my, when our kids are getting bigger, we sit there and look at them and go, man, look how much you've grown because we're talking about the outward thing and that is part of growth. But even, I mean, I'm glad that they do grow up and get taller and everything else, but I'm also wanting to see their character grow. I wanted to see those things develop in them as well. And that's also part of growth, those things that we don't really see. This last, about, about a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago now, I can't remember, I was decided that I was going to put an exhaust fan in, my, in, 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 in the bathroom ceiling. And so when I went to go up there, I cut a hole in the drywall and I'm getting ready to do this. And as I do, I found a lot of water damage from a while back. And things had begun to grow. <laughs> so, so often, this, I don't know how long this 
had been growing, but it had been growing behind the scenes for a long time. And it wasn't until all of a sudden I got a look at it. It's like, well, look at that. (laughs) That's not good. And I want to challenge us to ask ourselves to kind of maybe take a picture of things within our own life and say, what is growing that either needs to be growing more and what is growing that actually needs to be exposed so we can take care of it? Right? You see, trees grow stronger and bigger by their roots going down deeper. We can, I mean, there are some trees, I've seen them on social media. They're huge, but then like the big storm comes in and they completely fall over and those roots are not very deep. They're very wide, but they're not very deep. And then you have other trees that you can't get rid of because those roots go down to the center of the earth, I'm pretty sure. And they just keep coming back because they are just rooted there. And the title of today's message is Rooted and Established. Because this is what God wants us to do this year. There's a lot of things that God's already been placing on my heart to be able to preach on this year. But I wanted to kind of give us an overview this morning and talking about that the reality is, is that we have to be rooted and established so that we can be built on a firm foundation. Anybody who's ever built anything, I mean, even just, you know, like Legos and blocks and everything else. If you don't have a nice foundation... Once it gets to a certain point, you can't build anymore. That goes with the same for us within our own lives. We might be able to go look at how much I've done on my own. But then we're going to get to a certain point that if we don't have a firm foundation, if we are not rooted, if we are not established, we are going to get to a certain point where all of a sudden we go, well, I just can't go any further. And when we try to go further, we collapse. I've been there. I've done a lot on my own where it looked really good, but it really wasn't built on a firm foundation. See, the Apostle Paul told us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, he says, let your roots grow down into him. He's talking about Jesus. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. The Passion Translation says it this way. It says your spiritual roots go deeply into his life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. For you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to him. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul also writes to the church in Ephesus and he says this, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you, talking about Jesus, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your innermost being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep 
is the love of Christ. And know that his love, know, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, in those two scriptures that we read there, the word for rooted is actually only used twice in the New Testament. And those were the two places. And, and that word is, is a Greek word that pronounced something like rizu. That's not right, don't I know. But it's something close to that, okay? And that word means to strengthen with roots, to render firm, to establish, to cause a person or a thing to be thoroughly grounded. And in this, what does Paul tell us? He says, let your, first he tells us, let your roots go down into Christ. And then in Ephesians, he tells them, you need to be rooted and established in love. You see, we have to make sure that our lives are rooted and established in Christ and in love. For many of us, you can think it's your neighbor, not you, all right? So for many of us, we might struggle with one of those. We might be very good. I mean, I am really rooted in Christ. This is no problem. But we have a real hard time loving people. While others of us might be so rooted in what we think love is that we actually forget what the truth of Christ has said. And then we look at other people and we sit there and think, if you're, if you're so rooted in Christ, too often we sit there and think that people who are loving others are like, oh my gosh, look at them compromising. And then on the other side, if we are so rooted in, in what we think love is, we sit there and see somebody who's standing firm in truth, and we sit there and look at them, and we go, my gosh, they're just so religious and so legalistic. Well, the reality is, is that it's not an either or, it is a both and. We have to be rooted in Christ and in love. We have to be established there. That establish, it means to make a firm foundation. It means to be strong. It means to be able to be built upon. If it is not a strong foundation, it's not able to be built upon, right? See, if our foundation isn't firm, if it isn't solid, then nothing in my life of any significance can grow beyond a certain point. It just can't. Also, if there's not a good foundation, if there's not firmness in the ground, it's hard to be able to stand up. Right? How many of us, I mean, even in the snow, in the mud, you see somebody who's stranded on the side of the road and you're trying to help them and you're like, I'm going to push him. It's no problem. And you're sitting there doing this and you can't go anywhere. 
because you have no foundation upon which to actually stand and to be able to get solid ground, solid footing, to be able to say, here we go, now we can go. I've been stuck in mud a lot when I was younger. I'm like, I got four-wheel drive, it'll be fine. It is not, all right? <laughs> the idiocy of youth is a fun thing sometimes. <laughs> Learned a lot of lessons the hard way. But why? Because I can't grab hold of anything if there's not a firm foundation. And those wheels will just sit there and spin 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 forever and ever and ever. Usually only getting myself stuck deeper and deeper into the rut that I've already made. Now, you guys may not do that, but that is what I used to do. So... But we have to be able to have a firm foundation so we can stand firm. But why is it so important that we are able to stand firm? Well, Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Because he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. You see, we have to be able to stand firm because the enemy is going to bring attacks against us no matter what. You know, there's the parable of, that Jesus tells about, about the, the man who built his house on the sandy and then the man who built his house on the rock, right? The same storm came to both houses. The difference was is that the one that was built on the rock was able to withstand it because it had a firm foundation. Storms are going to come in your life. Storms are going to come in your marriages. Storms are going to come in your finances. Storms are going to come outside. Storms are going to come everywhere. In our jobs, maybe even in our ministries. No matter what it is, storms are going to happen. The question is, where is your foundation? Are you rooted and established in Jesus and his love? Or are we rooted and established in our own self-assurance? And the hard part is, is that many of us probably have a combination of those things. Well, right here in this area of my life, I am really rooted in Jesus. But he doesn't really want to have control of this area, so I can take control of this one. Right? And then we wonder why we start building out of both areas. And this side seems to be completely fine foundationally. And this side seems to be crumbling after a period of time. Because it's not built upon a foundation that will last. See, the devil loves to come after us, and if we don't have a firm foundation or have roots that go down deep that have been established, then we will not be able to withstand his attacks. We must know the truth, who is Jesus. We must know the truth and let him be our foundation upon which we are rooted and established. So often we try to do things in our own strength. You know, in Proverbs chapter 12, it says this. 
It says that no one is established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous will never be moved. In the Amplified, it says, a man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the uncompromisingly righteous shall never be moved. That word uncompromisingly, in, in, in another one, it'll say, in the one who is consistently righteous shall never be moved. We have all these realities that, that we struggle with, that we walk into, that we're going, well, how do I this and where do I this and what are these things that I need to do? Well, we need to make sure that we are rooted and established in who Jesus is so that we can be standing on a firm foundation. So all that right there, and some of you guys are about to go, oh gosh, here in a second. All that right there was my introduction. Don't worry, the last part's about as long. It's not too bad. But I want us to get this reality and, and this understanding of we need to be rooted and established in Jesus. Because if we can make that our common denominator of everything else that we are going to be walking into this year, that will keep us in this place where we can say, yes, I can build upon that. No matter what it is you're walking into, no matter how hard it's been, no matter how challenging it is, no matter how big of mistakes you've made or somebody else made, if we put our foundations on Jesus, we will be able to walk into everything he's calling us to walk into. See, one of the things that we have a habit of doing, especially in, in the American church, I'm, I'm as guilty of this as probably anybody else, is taking things for granted. I've grown up in church. I love Jesus with everything in me. And sometimes that foundation that has been there for so long, I just take it for granted that it's still there. Sometimes we, we, we kind of have this attitude that, well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm saved. I know Jesus. And we begin to go through the motions and do all the right things or even just doing some of the right things rather than actually growing deeper in our relationship with him. See, one of the biggest things that we can actually lose sight of, that we need to have solidified in us, not just as a, foundation, as, as a foundational thing, but something that we continue are able to come back to and that it means something to us every single time, is that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Here's the thing. Most of us have no problem saying Jesus loves you. How many of us have actually reminded ourselves lately, Jesus loves me? You know, the old song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, 
They are weak, but he is strong. See, we have these little kids sing this all the time. We're like, yes, it's such a great song. And then all of a sudden we get to a point in our life that we have taken that foundational truth for granted. We encourage them to sing that because the rest of that song is, yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Why do we have them sing it over and over and over again? Because the more repetition that you say it and sing it, the more you believe it to be true. And then at some point in our lives, we almost kind of like graduate to this thought process going, well, you know, I mean, that, that's a kid's song. Why? The same Jesus who loved me when I was little is the same Jesus who loves me right now and is the same Jesus who will love me when I'm 120. Or however long I make it. But I cannot allow that foundational truth, I cannot allow that to be taken for granted in my life. Because once I begin to take it for granted, then I forget how much he really loves me. And it's easy to do. We are so busy. Jesse talked about it last week. We are just inundated with information overload all the time. Sometimes I think we just need to take a minute and go, Jesus loves me. You see, all of, well, if you've been in church, I should say, or were raised in church, most of us probably know John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. A lot of us believe that. We hear it, we know it, we believe it, but we sit there and we say, for God so loved the world. Who is the world? I was part of the world. For God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. We have to begin to personalize these truths. We cannot let them just become a theoretical statement. We actually have to personalize these things and say, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter who I'm raised by it doesn't matter if i've been in church all my life it doesn't matter the fact that i know what the scripture says if i don't know jesus i'm not where i need to be if i don't know that he loves me then i'm not rooted in who he is some of us believe that there is no way that god can love us or we sit and think, well, I mean, he might love me a little bit, but then if I do better, he's going to love me more. No. I almost said something else. <clears throat> Malarkey, all right? <laughs> Jesus loves you right now no more and no less than he has ever loved you. Oh, but Chris, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know. I mean, even last night, man, my wife and I got in an argument. We, oh, man, the kid's on the way to church this morning. <laughs> you know I mean? Whatever it might be. No, it doesn't matter. Jesus still loves you. It's always amazing how kids act up on the way to church, right? Amen? <laughs> 
I'm glad I live close because I'm like, la, 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 just for a few minutes. But Jesus loves you. That's right. He knows it. See, I love that the Apostle Paul was the one who said this, that we need to be rooted and established in him. Because the Apostle Paul was an In reality, the Apostle Paul was a lot like many of us. He had grown up in church. He was extremely religious. He knew all the right answers. He was the most knowledgeable person of his time. But it wasn't until he had an encounter with the risen Christ that everything changed. And all of a sudden, he went from knowing about who Jesus was to actually encountering Jesus and saying, I have to know him more. He was rooted and established in Jesus and in the love of Jesus because he had an encounter. We have to start realizing that Jesus loves me. So honestly, right now, some of you guys are like, no, I'm not doing this. I got to go to the bathroom. But I need you to actually say, we're going to say this together. Jesus loves me. Say it again. Jesus loves me. Do it again. Jesus loves me. I used to hate those things when my dad would do that to us in church. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to go to the bathroom as a kid. I'm like, I'm going to go get a drink. This is terrible. But there's something about this that's just so real. that, it, And I bet if we're honest, some of us are probably a little bit uncomfortable doing that. Why? We have to start getting rooted and established. You see, the reason why some of us were maybe a little bit uncomfortable is because the enemy has convinced us that you are unlovable by Jesus. When in reality... Nothing could be further from the truth. And it was also probably a little bit uncomfortable because some of those established areas of our lives that weren't built on a good foundation, as we begin to say, Jesus loves me, the roots of who he, are, or who he is are going down deeper into those areas. And that can cause a little bit of discomfort. But it's good. Because when we know him and we know that he loves me, It changes everything. A long time ago, probably 25 years ago-ish, maybe 20 years ago, I was taking a group of kids to youth camp in Oklahoma. We had left Durango at way too early in the morning. We had rented a van. I'm driving them all there, and we're about 30 minutes from our destination in Oklahoma, and I got to this stop sign, and we're kind of like on this back highway trying to, you know, making our way back to the campsite where we're going. And it was nice. You know, all the kids have been pretty good all day. They're all having a great time. I was younger, so it didn't bother me, you know, and things. And, and, uh, but, I, but I remember, I'm sitting there in the, in, in the van, and the windows rolled down because it's evening because it takes forever to get 20 kids anywhere, you know. And so, you know, it's already evening. We've been driving all day. And I'm sitting there in the van, and the sunset was going down. And I just sat there, we pulled up to the stop sign, I looked out there to the west, and the sun's going down over that flat Oklahoma landscape. 
And I just thought, man, Jesus, I love you. And I can still remember the smells. I can still remember everything about that moment. Because as soon as I said it, I felt the presence of God and I felt him speak to me in a way that I can't ever describe beyond. And he said, and I love you. And it changed me. I mean, it just hit me and it changed me. Because I had grown up all my life knowing about the love of God. But in that moment, I had an encounter with the risen Christ that changed me. And I knew, and I've known, not just known, I've known ever since that moment that Jesus loves me. And I'm not special. Maybe a little special, but I'm not special. It's just that I was willing to say, Jesus, I just want to encounter you. We must become rooted and established in his love. Paul tells the church in Rome this in Romans chapter 8. He says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing can separate you from his love. We have to begin to understand that he loves me. I've had people ask me sometime, even when I'm up here leading worship, and I've done this probably since that encounter I had with God all those years ago. Either in between songs or different times, I'll sit there and I'll just say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, we love you. And I've had people go, you say that all the time. And I'm like, because I love him. Because I love him. Because every time I get to worship him, I think about what he did for me. That he was willing to go through everything he went through for me. So who am I not to love him in return? Who am I to sit there and say, Jesus, thanks, but I'm good. I don't want to live my life going through the motions. I want to live my life just saying, Jesus, I love you, and I want to know your love in my life. That's being rooted and established in him. Because when we experience his love, it will change your life in a way that you never thought possible. And then it changes everybody else's life around you. Not that you're going to be perfect by any means. Not that I am perfect by any means. But there's a new depth of the love of God that impacts me that is enabled to flow out of me to others. We must get rooted and established in him this year.
if we're not careful, sometimes we can sit there and say, well, but if I'm just doing all these things out of good intention, then Chris, I mean, aren't I just kind of doing it out of religious obligation rather than actually out of love? And I'd say, well, that, that probably just depends on you. See, my wife and I, we've been married almost 17 years now, which is crazy to think, but we've been married almost 17 years. And I do things for her because I love her. Not because I'm afraid of what she might do to me if I don't do them. Well, maybe a little, but you know, it's a, but, but I do it because I just love her. I want to do these things because I love her. I want her to know how much I love her. Not for any other reason most of the time. (laughs) Come on, right? You know, anybody who's married says, I get it. And so then why wouldn't we just want to live that way for Jesus? Jesus, I just want to love you. I just want to do these things because I love you. And when we're having those days that we're going, God, I don't feel the love that I know you have for me, then we just need to remind ourselves, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. It always amazes me how, how many times we have a hard time saying that or saying those kinds of truths and those affirmations in our life, but yet at the same time, we have no problem at all when we mess up going, oh, I'm such an idiot. Right? Oh, what a dummy. I can't believe I did that. I'm just so stupid. We have no problem calling ourselves and putting ourselves down all the time. But what about when we're feeling those things, we say, no, you know what? No, Jesus loves me. Start speaking the truth of the word of God over your life. Even when you don't feel like it, and I promise you, things will begin to change. And you will actually begin to start believing that he does love you. All of these things being rooted and established in his love, it starts with us actually believing that he loves me. So your homework this week is to tell yourself that Jesus loves me at least three times every day. Come on, I'm serious. Why not? Do it this week and see how much even just that little thing begins to change in your life. Does this make sense this morning? He loves you, and there's nothing you can do to ever change that. Amen? Let's stand. We're going to pray. We'll be dismissed. We have snacks in, in, in the fellowship all afterward, and stick around and just fellowship and get to know people. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if maybe you're going, man, I've known all about Jesus, but I've never actually known Jesus, and I want to know him as my Savior, not just as my Savior, but as my Lord, then I want to give you the invitation that when we say amen, you come up here, and we are going to pray for you and pray with you because your life will be forever changed. Father, we love you, and we thank you. Jesus, I just thank you that you love us so much. I thank you that you are developing within us the reality that we need to be rooted and established in what the truth of your word says. And God, the first step of that is believing and knowing that you love us. 
So Holy Spirit, I ask that right now that you would just touch every single person in here and that you would just remind them, that you would just saturate them with the love of God. I just rebuke those lies that anybody might be believing that they are too far gone and that Jesus can't love them. And I just ask that there would just be the love of the Father would just flow over them right now. Because God, as we step into this year and into everything you've called us to become, we are surrounded by people who do not know love. And God, we want to be established and rooted in you so that we can show people the love of Jesus standing on the word of truth. And God, I just thank you for everything you are doing in each one of us. God, I just ask that you just bless every family who's here, every family represented here. God, keep everyone safe as as we are traveling over these next few days. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Guys, you are dismissed. Have a wonderful Sunday. If you need prayer for something, we'd love to be praying with you. We have people up here who would love to do that. So have a great, great week, and we will see you all next Sunday.